Okay, so today's daf is Pei Bet in Eruvin. We are uh, on Pei Aleph Amud Bet. We are approximately 21 lines <clears throat> from the bottom of the Amud where we left off yesterday. We're talking about somebody who comes into the bakery and uh, asks the baker to make the Eruv for him. This baker, I guess, supplies the bread for everybody for the Eruv Echatzerot. Or it could be a wine, uh, you know, a liquor store. He's asking the liquor store owner who provides the wine for everybody for Eruv uh, for Shitufei Mavuot. To include him, he gives him money. So it says that doesn't work because it's not clear that uh, he wants to participate in the eruv or in the shituf. It se- seems like he's just purchasing something from the uh, from the uh, store owner. So, but whereas, whereas if he gave it to somebody ordinary who wasn't a store owner, then it would be clear that he's asking him to be a shaliach to make the eruv. So it says a modim. Everybody agrees. So Zoman Who is anybody else? I'm a rab, It means a regular, ordinary house, uh, you know, a homeowner, right? I mean, a regular person. An ordinary person. Because this whole halacha that if you give money and say I want to be part of the eruv that it doesn't work is only with a baker or with a store owner. But it will work with an ordinary person because you're clearly paying him for his service. You're not paying him for acquiring the bread. He's going to be mizaked the bread to you. He's going to transfer acquisition of the bread. To you, you're just paying him for his time, not for the actual bread, and that's how it works. And also, this is only true even with the baker if you pay money, but if you make a formal acquisition, in other words, if you give him money, it doesn't work because it seems like you're paying him to get bread, it doesn't seem like you're asking to join the eruv. But if you do a kabbalat kinyan, which is like what you do by ketubah, people that's the most common place that people see a kinyan that you give the chatan, the chatan picks up the uh, the, the handkerchief and he's transferring, he's mitchayev. He's obligating himself in the ketubah. If you do that with the baker and say, I want you to transfer to me ownership of the bread and you hand him the uh, handkerchief and he does that, then it will work because then when he goes and he does the, uh, the eruv, you already possess part of the eruv. It's also only true if you give him the money and you say, acquire for me some bread, because then it's not clear your relationship with the Eruv there. But if you said to him, make me an Eruv, so in that case it would work. So in other words, basically, in the case of the Mishnah, we're talking about a very particular case where the person just gave money to the baker and assumed that he would include him in the Eruv. But if he actually said, make the Eruv for me, even if he gave him the money, it will still be good. Okay. In any case, I'm Rabbi Yehuda. But Rabbi Yehuda said that 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 having in mind that you, the fact that you need permission to include somebody in eruv is only eruvei tchumin. But if you but eruvei chatzerot and shituvei mavod, I have nothing to lose being included. So why should you have to let me know? Why do you need my permission? So Gemara says, "Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Halacha Rabbi Yehuda, the Halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda. Oh, the Lakon, but Komshen Rabbi Shishana, Rabbi Yehuda beruvin Halacha Gemoto. Not only that, but every time that Rabbi Yehuda speaks out in Halachot of eruvin, we always follow him." He's the expert. Okay, yeah, he, he knows what he's talking about. Rav Chana from Baghdad said to Rav Yehuda, right? So, so he says, Amar Shmuel, Afilu, Bemavoy, Shinetilu, Korotav, Olechayav. Did Shmuel say this? Even with respect to a case where the, the Korah or the, uh, or the Lechi of the Mavoy is missing, even there we say that Talacha follows Rabbi Yehuda because we know that Rabbi Yehuda said that even if the Lechi or the Korah is missing, uh, goes missing on Shabbat, so what did, what did uh, Rabbi Yehuda said many dapim ago? 
Okay, back on, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's, it's ahead of us. It's ahead of us, right? He says in the, in the future parak that mutarin lo Shabbat, that even though there's now no lechi or Quran, the ed, end of the mavoi, he, the, the whole Shabbat is covered by the, um, by the fact that there was a lechi or Quran at the mavoi in the beginning. So do we follow Rabbi Yehuda about that as well? So he said, well, no, I was talking about I've said this many times actually in the course of the Shi'ur that the word Eruv does not refer to the boundary. The word Eruv refers to the uniting of the people in their sharing of the space. It doesn't refer to whether the place is enclosed or not. Enclosure is a different question. So we, even though I said that the Halakha always follows Rabbi Yehuda when it comes to Eruvin, I'm talking about the rabbinic concept of Eruvin where the people are uniting through common food. I'm not talking about that the Halakha follows Rabbi Yehuda when it comes to whether a, an area is considered to be enclosed or not. That's a different story. Okay, and now the Gemara continues as halacha miklal depligi. So I'm sorry, I missed up, I, I skipped a part. Amalei Ravacha Barei Ravala Ravashi. Ravacha Barei, the son of Ravasa, to Ravashi halacha miklal depligi. Are you saying that actually uh, that Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim are arguing here because you're, you're uh, from the fact that you said halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda, so that implies that there's a dis- there's a dissenting opinion. V'amar Rabbi Yosho ben Levi kol makom shamar Rabbi Yehuda em matayu bameh b'mishnatenu eno ela lefarish tefrei Chachamim. Didn't we say, don't we have a principle, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi articulated that any time Rabbi Yehuda says in the Mishnah, when is this true? Or when is this true? Right? What circumstances is this true? Or when is this true? He is clarifying the Chachamim, not disagreeing. So when it says here in the, Mish- in the previous Mishnah that you need to have the permission of the person for whom you're making the Eruv, and he said, when is that true? Only of Eruv Eitchumin, because you're limiting their boundary. You're deciding they can go to the west instead of the east or whatever. But when it comes to Eruv Eitchumin, you don't need it. He's clarifying the Chachamim. He's not disagreeing. So why do you have to say Halakha is like Rabbi Yehuda? You shouldn't have to say that. So it says, ah, well, Vilap Ligi. Right? So really, they don't, make an, they don't have an argument. Really, it's not an argument. So it says, Veha'anan Tinan. But the, is that really true? Vilap Ligi, is it really true? They don't argue. In the beginning of the Mishnah, it says pretty clearly that the Tanakh Kama, the anonymous Tanakh of the Mishnah says that when you add somebody to the Eruvei Chatzerot or the Shitufei Mavot, you have to let him know, you have to get his permission. So Rabbi Yehuda is disagreeing with the Tanakh Kama. How can you say he's not disagreeing? He says, no, that's different. Because that's only in a case, as we said earlier, where there are two mavot, there are two choices. And this guy who's making the shitufe mavot is deciding which one we're going to go with. We're going to go with the left side one, we're going to go with the right side one. There you need the consent of the people. You can't just decide which one that you decide that you want to be, create the Eruv for everyone. You think you're doing them a favor because you decided it's better to go left or better to go right. They have their own opinion. So therefore there you need their permission. But in general, both Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim are in agreement that there's no necessity to get the permission of everybody to, to create an Eruvei Chatzot. And in fact, that's how we do it today. Because when they make the Eruvei Chatzot, you don't even know it exists. Now, 99% of people, is the first time that they heard that there's such a thing as Eruvei Chatzot in their neighborhood is when they read this. Right? When, they, when they learn the Halachot of Eruvei, they say, I guess we must have one. Right? But, but it's something that the, that the Vad or, or whoever is in charge of the, the Eruv. The, the string Eruv, meaning of, of creating that enclosure, has to also take care of the Eruv for the community. 
And they don't tell you, they just take food and they say, we're transferring this to everybody. It has to be 18 grogurot because there's no need. There's so many people. So he says only 18 figs is enough. You don't have to go for every individual. And they leave it for the whole year. Didn't we see in the previous daf that Rav Shizvi said that, that, that Rabbi Yehuda is actually in a disagreement with the Chachamim, that they don't agree. So how could you say that they agree? So he says, Ella, we're, and now we're turning to, you pay bet amud alef, and the Ella seems to be kind of out of place there. Does it have a, does it have a correction there? Yes, amar lei, not Ella, because yeah, it doesn't seem to flow. Gavar, gavar karamit. You're, you're showing a contradiction between two people, morzovar pligi, or morzovar lo pligi. In other words, you're, you can't say that, th- these are two amoraim, these are two people of the same generation, Rav Shizvi, and Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, or Rav Shizvi, and, um, and, uh, uh, yeah, and Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, and basically, you're saying that these two rabbis, uh, are, um, uh, have to agree, uh, on whether Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim are arguing or not, they're allowed to have an argument. They're of the same generation. Rashi says, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi, Adi Shmuel. Shmuel said that halacha, right, that the halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda, implying that they have a disagreement. Rabbi Yehoshua holds that they don't have a disagreement, right? In other words, that itself is, is they're allowed to have a machloket about that, right? They're, they're allowed to disagree whether Rabbi Yehuda is arguing with the Chachamim or not. Because they're in the same generation, they're allowed to disagree. If the Mishnah said def- definitively that there was a disagreement, so the later generation can't come along and say that there isn't. But the, that generation is allowed, meaning the Amoraim are allowed to disagree whether there's a disagreement or not. Okay? So therefore, we, we say that there's a Machloket, whether there's a Machloket or not. In other words, is Rabbi Yehuda disagreeing with the Chachamim in all cases, or only in the case um, where there are two Mavo'ot. That there, even he, he says there that the person still has the right to make the Eruv for whomever he wants. And the Chachamim say, no, there you need permission. But in a case where there's only one Mavoy, everybody agrees that he can do it on his own. Or no, even there, it's a machlok between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. That's, that itself is a disagreement. The Halakha follows Rabbi Yehuda in the lenient view that he can actually make the Eruv for everyone unless there's two options, in which case he has to solicit the agreement of... Um, of the people decide which one. But Kufa, we go back to what we said before. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi, Komakom, Shama Rabbi Yehuda, Ematai, Ubame. Anytime Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi said that anytime that Rabbi Yehuda says, Ematai, Ubame, in the Mishnah, he says, Ematai, when is this true? Or Bame, when, under what circumstances is this true? He's not disagreeing, He's just coming along to clarify what the rabbis say. Rabbi Yohanan distinguishes between the two languages. If he says, Ematai, when is this true? That's explaining. But Uvame, under what circumstances? Lachlok, that's actually limiting. It's limiting the case. So that's more of an agree, a disagreement. So the Gemara asks, Are you really sure that when, when Rabbi, that, uh, when Rabbi Huda says, when is this true that he's explaining? Because that's the one that they agree on. In other words, when he says, when he says, in what case is this true? Or something like that. So then, Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yochanan, is disagreeing. According to Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi, isn't disagreeing. But when he says, Ematai, everybody agrees, he's explaining the rabbis. Is that really true? He's explaining. We have a Mishnah Sanhedrin, pretty famous Mishnah. These are the people who are invalid for testimony. Somebody who plays dice. It's talking about gamblers. Somebody who lends money on interest. And Mafuchei Yonim, which Rashi says here, is also a type of gambling. They bet on races, right? They bet on the races of the doves. 
and uh, or people who sell the produce of Shvi'it. So there's two categories. There are people who uh, make money in a way that's illegal, like either they charge interest or they are, uh, or they are selling the produce of, of the Shemitah year that they're not supposed to, or they're, be- they're gamblers. What? Cases, uh, that's a whole discussion in Masechet Sanhedrin, but for now it's not that it's not that uh, critical. They say, well, that they're bringing it to tell you that because the Gemara in Sanhedrin says because if they were doing the Deoraitas, then it would be obvious that a Rasha can't, can't be a witness and so on. But, but both of them are not allowed. Both of them are in trouble. Yeah, Amar Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Yehuda says in that Mishnah, When is it true? When is a gambler pasul? For uh, being a witness, that's only when that's his job. He's a professional gambler. But if he has a job, something else, he's still kosher. In other words, according to Rabbi Yehuda, seems to be explaining the chachamim. But we're going to see that that's not so clear. In other words, Rabbi Yehuda could either be construed as saying that the chachamim mean only when the guy's a professional gambler. Or Rabbi Yehuda could be disagreeing with the Chachamim. The Chachamim mean if a guy goes to Vegas, now he can't be, uh, he can't be uh, a, a witness anymore. And Rabbi Yehuda saying, not if he went for vacation. Only if he, professionally he's a gambler, right? They, they disagree. So, but you're saying that Eimatai means, he's clarifying. So you're saying that Eimatai means, since Rabbi Yehuda said Eimatai, when is it true that the gambler is, is, in, is uh, disqualified? That that's a reference to the, uh, he's clarifying what the Chachamim mean. Right, that he's saying that the chachamim only mean in the case of gambling. That's what you're saying. But let's see if that's true. But Tanela we have a brayta that says chachamim omim ben she'en lo umanut elahi uven she'es lo umanut shelohi. How is that pasul? You see that the chachamim and the brayta say that actually no, whether or not he has another job, he's still pasul. So obviously there is a machloket. The Chachamim in that Braita are clearly saying that whether or he's a professional gambler or he's a gambler who is on vacation, it doesn't matter, he'll be pasul. And Rabbi Yehuda is disagreeing. So, what, so now when we go back, so the assumption is that this Braita that says Chachamim Omrim, Ben Sheyeshlo, Ben Sheenlo, it doesn't matter if he's a professional gambler or not, are the same Chachamim that Rabbi Yehuda is referring to in the Mishnah when he says, when is that true what you said that gamblers are pasul? Only when, that's a, when he's a professional gambler. He's disagreeing with them then in the Mishnah, not, not clarifying. So if that's true, so then, hahi, so, so then, so that's a problem. So then, Eim Matai is clearly not being, is clearly not Rabbi Yehuda explaining the Chachamim. It is clearly Rabbi Yehuda disagreeing with the Chachamim. So the, so it says, no, not necessarily because Ahid Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Rabbi Tarfon, he, that's Rabbi Yehuda's report of Rabbi Tarfon, meaning to say that there are actually three opinions here, or really two opinions here. Um, and the Chachamim of the, of the Mishnah are not the same as that Brita that we just read. There's two different opinions. And it's really contingent on another issue, which was, which was an issue that was brought out by Rabbi Tarfon. And this is an issue in Halakha, which is known as Asmachta, very, uh, uh, popular topic in, more in the Seder Nezikin, not so much in Seder Mo'ed. But basically the idea is uh, acquisitions or, or transfers of ownership that are made on a condition uh, 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 where the person who makes the condition may or may not really think that that condition is going to be realized, so therefore doesn't really mean it to give it to you. For example, <clears throat> a gambler is a classic case. Because a gambler, when he, when he ga- gambles on whatever it is, I don't even know what the, you know, uh, whatever the gambling game is, thinks he's going to win. Otherwise, he wouldn't be betting. He assumes he's going to win. So then if he loses and you take his money, it's like you're stealing because he never really meant to give you the money because he thought he was going to win. 
Right, that's why they sometimes distinguish between like buy when you put the money down, you pay and you're done. You know you're never getting that money back, and then you play the game. That might be different than when you have the money that's in front of you and you might get your all your money back and never have to give anything. Right, it might be different than let's say if you buy a lottery ticket and you pay for the ticket and then that you're never going to get that dollar back. You know, it might be different. But the point is that asmachta kanya means or asmachta lakanya is a discussion in the Gemara do we say that if a person has a, a, a deal like that where he puts the transition he puts the transfer on a condition that he doesn't really think is going to happen or he's hoping doesn't happen and it does happen right so then d- does that effectuate the transfer or do we say no you have to realize that he never really meant it and you can't take you can't take it from him now Okay, so the so the um, in this case, the, the Rabbi Tarfon says asmachta doesn't work. If you make any kind of condition and you make a commitment that is based on that condition, uh, but you really didn't think that condition was going to come true, we can't then hold you responsible. As we see, and here's the example: the says This is a case of two guys are sitting down, and a guy walks by that has long hair. One guy thinks he's just a metalhead or, you know, he's just a hippie. I don't know. So he says, if that guy is a Nazir, I'm also a Nazir. And the other one says, no, if that guy isn't a Nazir, I'm a Nazir. Meaning to say that he thinks he is a Nazir. So he says, if that guy isn't a Nazir, then I'll be a Nazir. They're making a bet, right? Whether he's a Nazir or just a guy that hasn't had a haircut in a while and, uh, you know, is, is unkempt or whatever. Right? So one guy says, if he's a Nazir, I'm also a Nazir. The other guy says, if he's not a Nazir, I'm a Nazir. So what happens? They find out either way, right? So he said, so Rabbi Tarfon said, that doesn't work. Neither one is a Nazir. Even if you find out afterwards that he is, that he isn't, it doesn't matter because since they didn't express explicitly, hafla means expression of something clear, so therefore it does not take effect. So Alma came the Safkale, I Nazir la Nazir. Right? So since the person is in doubt, I Nazir, I lo Nazir, since they don't know, um, whether that guy is really a Nazir or not, it's not definite. And each one is kind of like hedging their bet, assuming that he is whatever they think he is, right? Salam mishabed nafsheh. He doesn't really obligate himself to be a Nazir. He never really meant that he was going to be a Nazir based on the outcome of that bet. Or So how can he hold them responsible for that? So therefore, Same thing when it comes to gambling. Since you don't know if you're going to win or lose, you never really meant to let the guy take your money. So now it's like stealing, and that would mean, so Rabbi Tarfon is of the opinion that gambling, if a person loses in gambling, the person who takes their money is, a, is, is stealing. And, and when the person wins in gambling, he's stealing from the other guy. So basically, they're, they're all ganavim, and therefore, or gazladim even, I don't know. But th- therefore, they are not going to be allowed to do edut, even if they do that occasionally. It doesn't have to be their profession. But the chachamim are saying that, no, the reason why a gambler is pasul, we say asmachta kanya. We say, no, it's not because the, the kinyan is invalid and you're considered stealing if you take your winnings, or the other person's st- considered stealing if they take their winnings. That's not the reason. The reason why gambling is pasul is because because the person who's a gambler doesn't involve himself in any meaningful way in the upkeep of the world and making the world a better place. In other words, like a person who's just a bum, basically, and he lives off gambling. So what does he care? He doesn't care. He'll go and he'll testify things, true, false. He doesn't really have a sense of responsibility for society. He, so therefore, he's, not a, he's, he's an unsavory character, we call him. So, it, so that would be, so, so, meaning not good. Somebody we don't like. Right, so it said, "Enu chachamim nochahimenu." 
You know, as they say, yeah, he doesn't do anything good. So therefore we say, so therefore we, we so in the Mishnah that said that anybody who's a gambler is pasul, Rabbi Yehuda said, e matai, they both agree that gambling, the act of gambling isn't the problem. The problem is when it's your profession to gamble, because that just means you're like a seedy lowlife and we don't rely on you. Okay? That was their opinion. So there, actually, Rabbi Yehuda really is agreeing with the Chachamim and just clarifying that they only meant in a case where the guy's a professional gambler. But Rabbi Tarfon is a different opinion. Rabbi, the the Brayta here is Rabbi Tarfon that says, no, even if the person occasionally gambles, since gambling intrinsically is considered a type of theft, because when you take your winnings, the other person never really meant to, that he was never really imagined that he was going to lose and he didn't really want to make the commitment and now you're taking it against his will. So there we would say that uh, according to Rabbi Tarfon, even gambling occasionally would make the person pasula edut um, and that would be the machloket between them. But Rabbi Yehuda in the Mishnah actually is just clarifying the Tanakama, and that fits in with what we said before, that any time Rabbi Yehuda says in the Mishnah, Ei matai, when is this true? He's always agreeing with the Tanakama and just clarifying the position of the Tanakama. Okay? And that's Adon Alach Chalon, that's the conclusion of that parak. and we come to Ketzad Mishtatfin Betchumin, now we get to um, people who are making an Eruvet Chumin together. Okay? Instead of, we're going to get to more about Eruvet Chumin, of course, but how do people make an Eruvet Chumin together that a group wants to go, let's say, we're going to make go as a group, uh, we, so uh, to the West tomorrow because uh, there's some mitzvah to do there. And we want to set him Eruvet Chumin together. So the person can, of course, he first has to transfer ownership of it to all the members of the community that want to participate. He's mizakeh, this food to them. And then he puts it down in the place of the Tchum, which will go out 2,000 amot from the city limit and he'll leave it there. Right? And he says, this is for everybody. Anybody who wants to come to the house of the mourner tomorrow or to the Beit HaMishteh. So they would either be going to be Menachem Avelim, they were going to comfort mourners, they were going to a, or a, a, a Sheva Bachot, maybe, could be any kind of mitzvah that they're going to do. Anybody who accepted and agreed to that during daytime, in other words, he said, I know that uh, Bob is going to put the Eruvet uh, Chumin and I, I want to be part of that. So then that's, that Eruvet Chumin accounts for him too. And he can walk more than 2,000 amot out of the city limits uh, in that direction. However, uh, but once it becomes dark already, um, he can't do it anymore. In other words, once Shabbat starts, you can't now decide that you want to be part of the Eruvet Chumin because we don't make Eruvin after nightfall. So it has to be established before Shabbat. Okay, now the Gemara says, Amar Yosef, in Marvin El Dvar Mitzvah. You can only make an Eruvet Chumin, and this is the rule, this is Allah. We only make Eruvet Chumin when there's a mitzvah involved. We don't say, you know what, I just feel like going on a longer walk tomorrow, and I like this thing, I just want to go for a walk, so I'm going to make an Eruvet Chumin in that direction to walk. There has to be a mitzvah. So what is he telling us? What was Rav Yosef telling us? We say in the Mishnah, it says very clearly that the person is going to the Beta Evel, is going to the Beta Mishteh. Right, he's, he's got, going either to the house of mourning or to the Sheva Bachot. So clearly it's for a mitzvah that, it, that he's doing it. So that's what the Mishnah gives us examples. So it says, You might say that that's just examples. In other words, that's just the way. That's the way. Normally, why would you make an Eruvit Chumin? Because you want to do a mitzvah. But it's not the only way. So Kamashmalan, that's why Rav Yosef came to tell you it's Davka. That you can only make the Eruvei Tchumein if there's a mitzvah that justifies extending the border. But if it's just that you feel like it, it won't be good. Okay? So what do we learn from this? That the person has to accept joining the Eruvei Tchumein while it is still daytime. You see from this, yeah, that in brera. 
retroactive clarification doesn't work. We've learned about this before, this idea of Brayra. The idea of Brayra is that a situation that happened yesterday or a situation that happened uh, at, at one point in time, only its significance or its status only becomes clarified after the fact. Okay? Afterwards, I clarify. Like, for example, I say, I'm going to separate truma from this barrel. Whatever is left, that's going to be the truma. And then I eat and I drink and this and this. And then retroactively, the truma is separated. That's called brera. Okay? So here he's saying, if the guy on Shabbat, the promise, the guy set up the Erovet Chomein on Friday. So why not on Friday night at 10 o'clock at night, I can say, okay, I want to be part of the Erovet Chomein retroactively. That would be brera. It says you can't do that. You can't do that. So you see that brera doesn't work. Because if it were true that there is brera, if you can do retroactive clarification, so then all he's doing is clarifying that really he wanted to be part of that Erovet Chumin when it happened on Friday. In other words, the actual Erovet Chumin was set up at the right time. It was set up in time. He's just clarifying that he would have wanted to be part of it retroactively. <laughs> retroactively, he becomes a part of it. What's the problem? And, and the Mepharshim explains, Tosafot explains here, that, um, that in rabbinic matters, we're usually lenient on Brera. It's only in biblical matters that we're stringent about Brera, but really we should be lenient about it for the rabbinic matter. So it says, the, really, the point is this. It's not an issue of when he decides. It's true. He could decide on Shabbat and retroactively now he's a part of the Erovet Chumin. That's not a problem. The problem is, did he know that it existed on Erev Shabbat? Because if he didn't even know that it existed, then there's nothing to retroactively clarify. In other words, if he knew that there was an Erovet Chumin set up on Erev Shabbat and he didn't make up his mind, he said, I'll decide tonight, see how I'm feeling, I'll decide whether I want to be part of the Erovet Chumin. That's one thing. Then retroactively he can decide. But if he didn't uh, even know about it. He can't say retroactively, I really wanted that Erovet Chumin. Retroactively what? You didn't even know there was an Erovet Chumin. How could you say you wanted it? Okay? So that is when it wouldn't work. Okay? <coughs> if the, a mother is making an Erovet Chumin, the child is dragged along with it. In other words, can also fulfill, um, it can also go in that direction, same as the mother. His, the Erov will cover for him as well. Automatically, she says, She doesn't have to transfer partial ownership of the Eruv to her son. Right? He's considered like his mother's body. He's considered like part of his mother. He's going to go with his mother everywhere. Right? That she had in mind that, uh, and he has in mind that he's going to go wherever she goes. So he's going to be a part of that Eruv too. The, the child that's six years old. Okay? So, there is an objection. It says that a child that needs its mother goes Yotze Be'eruv Imo. Goes out with the with the eruv of his mother. What? Age what? what age? We don't we don't know yet. You have to you have to be patient. You have to be patient. If he doesn't right, if he doesn't need his mother, then he, he he's independent, right? So you just told me that what a six year old automatically is included in his mother's eruv. But this statement says only if he's <laughs> only if he's dependent on his mother. So the question is, is that the same thing? And it doesn't seem to be. We have the same halacha by sukkah. That once a child is independent, that he doesn't need his mother all the time, he has to go to the sukkah. Even the, the, the reason why it was so significant is because sleeping in the sukkah and sleeping in the sukkah by yourself, you need your mom in the middle of the night, it's going to be hard. Right? Yeah. Huh? 
Yeah, so very to to help them. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakisha Mar Kosin Orve no Kwe Ima Ima. Anybody who wakes up in the middle of the night doesn't call their mom. Okay? So the yeah, so that's considered enotzerchlimo. So if he's in the sukkah and he wakes up, he'll be okay. So these ages, we're gonna define what these ages are in a second, but the point is that you're telling me up to six years old. The point is that you said a six year old counts on the eruv of his mother. But it also said that it, that only a child that's she'enot tzarich le'imo counts on the Eruv. So you must be saying that a six-year-old is e'enot tzarich le'imo. He doesn't, I'm sorry, tzarich le'imo rather. You said that tzarich le'imo counts on his mother's uh, Eruv, meaning if he needs the mother. And you also said that somebody who needs their mother is somebody, in the context of sukkah, is a child that either needs their mother to go to the bathroom or calls their mother in the middle of the night. Right? That's, that's what you said. That, and, and we're going to see what that age is in a second. So... First, the Gemara interrupts us. So, the first, the Gemara says that Salkadatach Gidolim Nami. So, it says, Salkadatach, are you serious? Anybody who calls their mother in the middle of the night? What do you mean? Every guy calls his mother in the middle of the night. She might not come, right? So, it says, yeah, it says, it says, Gidolim Nami, Karul. These are Jewish boys we're talking about. They're 40, 50 years old. They wake up in the middle of the night. They call their mom. Everyone knows, right? It means that he won't call endlessly in the middle of the night until his mother comes. He might call her on the phone. He might call out, you know, but he's not going to be inconsolable until his mom comes, right? That's, that's not going to be like that. So therefore, it means a child who's inconsolable. If the mom doesn't come, they won't be, they, they won't, you won't be able to go back to sleep. So that, vikama. And then the question is, how old is that? So we took a whole bunch of steps here to get to this point. Kivar arba, kivar chamesh. We're saying a child that is ben chamesh ben arba. He's either four or five years old. In other words, that's the definition of a child that's considered independent from the mother that he won't cry endlessly at night or that he can wipe himself when he goes to the bathroom and therefore he'll be obligated in sukkah and therefore he will be, uh, he will be, you know, ob- he's considered a notzer chlimo from four or five years old depending on the maturity of the child. Four or five. You're telling me six years old he's still tzarich limo. How could that be? He's still going to be counted as a, the, an attachment to his mother even at six years old. <coughs> so uh, turning to Amud Bet, Amar Yehoshua Barezu Avidi, Yehoshua the son of Avidi said, Ki kama avasi kigon she'erev alav aviv letzafon we're talking about a case where the mother and the father, it's not a question of whether the child is de- totally dependent on his mother or not. The question is a question of preference. The father made an Eruv to go to the north. He's going to the Shi'ur uh, to the north. The mother made an Eruv to the south. She's going to Sheva Bachod in the south, whatever, or a different Shi'ur. Because it's not a question of Tzarich or not. It's not a question of whether he needs his mother. It's a question of who, which parent he's going to prefer to go with. Is he going to prefer to go with his mom or prefer to go with his dad? So since the dad made an Eruv and had the child in mind, and the mother made an Eruv and also had the child in mind, he can't go both. So which are we going to assume the child would accept and uh, the child would be included in the one that he's most likely to go with which is going to be the mother it could be but it's saying it's saying in a situation where the, no preference was said what are we going to assume we're going to assume we want to go with the mother okay so maybe there is an objection to this so that's why even the six year old 
because they're not talking about six-year-old because he's dependent on the mother. They're talking about preference issue, that the mother, well, if there's a choice of going with the mother or the father, when they both made an Eruv to include him, which one is he going to be included in? Oh, the one that we assume he would want to go with, right? So it says very clearly in a Brayta, a child that needs the mother can go with the, with the Eruv of the mother until the age of six. Now this is a problem for a number of reasons. So first of all, first, that's a definitive refutation of Rav Yoshua Bar because Rav Yoshua Bar was saying that, uh, that in, in our case, he, he created the, um, uh, he was the one who said that the six-year-old is talking about only in a case where the mother and the father both made Eruvi. Right, so Rashi says, We're not talking about where there were two different Eruvin over there. Right? In other words, there we're talking about all the way from two years old all the way up to six years old. <laughs> so it's saying that even the four or five year old that is not considered will be included in the mother's eruv. Because Rav Yoshua Bar on the top here is saying, no, you're right. A four-year-old, a five-year-old, they wouldn't automatically be included in the eruv of their parents. It's just a question if the, both the parents explicitly included them, which one do we put them on? That's what Rav Yoshua Bar was saying. That's how he's explaining the contradiction between previously it's stating that up to six years old, the child is on the eruv of his mother. And then, and then the statement that only a child that needs the mother is on the eruv of the mother. Right? So he says it's, if it's just the mother, automatically to include the child will be if he's under four or five years old. But if the father and the mother both explicitly include the child, and it's a question of which one to go with, then we go with the mother. Okay, that's what Ravi Shobar Ravi Di said. But this Brayta clearly shows that that's not the case because it's saying until the age of six, at any age below that, automatically goes with the mother. Right, meaning automatically goes on the eruv of the mother, just like a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old. Uh, they're all the same, according to that. So that refutes Rav Yosho Rav Idi's statement that a four or five-year-old would not automatically be included in the eruv of the mother. But then the question is, is it also a refutation of Rav Asi? Because Rav Asi said um, on the previous uh, uh, on the previous tab, on the previous amud, Rav Asi was the one who said, Katan ben shesh meaning six years old. And here it says, Ad ben shesh, meaning once he turns six, it's no good anymore. Rav Asi is saying six years old, which means even including a six-year-old. This says, Ad ben shesh, sounds like only through his fifth year, but once he gets, uh, once he hits six years old, it's no good. So he'll tell you, no, that's not necessarily a refutation, because he'll tell you, Amalach Rav Asi, Ad ve'ad bechlal, Right, it's saying up to and including his sixth year. So, uh, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, until he turns seven. So But maybe Maybe this is a a refutation of Rabbi Anai and Reish Lakish because they were giving explanations of what's considered to be tzarich leimo. What's considered to be dependent on the mother? Oh, once he can wipe himself after the bathroom, or once he's able, he doesn't call his mother. And here it's saying that all the way up to six years old, and maybe even including six years old, uh, he's considered to be dependent on the mother, and he automatically goes with the mother. So it says, It depends. When, if a child has the father around as well, so then from the age of four or five, when he's able to wipe himself in the bathroom and he's able to not call his mom in the middle of the night, the father can also help out and so therefore he's okay. But if there's no father around in the city, so then we call him dependent on the mother all the way through six years old. That's, what the, that's the, the, how they're re- resolving that contradiction. So it's not a contradiction. When they said four or five years old, they meant when there's two parents around. 
when they sit up through six years old is when there's only one parent around just the mother. A, 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 a person makes the Eruv, Eruv including his, his children who are minors, and also his uh, non-Jewish slaves, the Kenani slaves, he doesn't have to solicit their agreement because they have to go with them wherever he wants to go. But he cannot do the same for his Jewish slaves. His, uh, he cannot just make an Eruv without their permission. And also he cannot just include in his Eruv without their permission his adult children, meaning overbar bat mitzvah, and he can't even make one just for his wife without her permission, without their agreement. Again, it said in the Brayta that a man can make, cannot make an Eruv for his adult children, adults here meaning over 12 or 13 years old, and nor can he do it for his Jewish slaves, and he can't do that for his wife either. He has to have their permission. So he says that when it comes to his children who are minors or his uh, slaves who are non-Jewish, so then he's allowed to decide where they're going to go so he can make the Eruvet Chumin on their behalf because because their hand is like his hand. And in any case, if they made an Eruv for themselves and Rabban, the father of the household or the master, made an Eruv as well, they all have to now follow along with the master. They can't follow along with their own except for his wife because a wife doesn't have to listen to you guys because she can protest she can say no I made my own Eruv I'm not going to your she or I'm going to my own made my own Eruv I don't have to listen to you okay so if any of these other people on the list made an Eruv of their own it sounds like right it sounds like so it's basically the same idea that Jewish slaves wife adult children they can do their own thing right they, can, they don't have to go under your Eruv the Kenani uh, slaves or minor children they go with your Eruv Right and and because kiado, but it says if any of those people made an eruv of their own, so then he takes precedence. Meaning, even if they made their own eruv, he overrides them. Except for his wife, um, he can't override her. So the question is, why? What's the difference with his wife? Well, the implication is that his adult children, he can force them to go. Because it says only his wife is an exception. Meaning, if any of them on this list. His Eved Ivri, his, his older children, he can force all of them. Again, right, even if they made a different Eruv. So why should that be? Why should his wife be the exception? It doesn't make sense. So it says, Amaraba Isha de Damela. It means his wife and anybody who's in the same category as his wife, not just his wife alone. And that's why it's so, so Rashi explains that, um, Isha, it says, meaning really, the Eved Ivri, and the adult children, they should all be the same. It shouldn't just be his wife. Okay? It shouldn't just be his wife. So it says, uh, so Amar Mor, the master said, So, so, so the Gemara an- answered that, that the, wo- the woman and everybody who's like her, meaning everybody in her category, would be um, likewise able to assert themselves. Right? Right. Well, that's true. That you're a good husband. I hope your wife listened to this. We should send her a recording. Yeah. Yeah. But Amar Mor, the master said, So the implication is that the only time that she's excluded from the Eruv is if she protests. But if she didn't protest, even if he didn't solicit her permission, she's on his Eruv automatically. But didn't it say in the beginning that she has to get her permission? So my love, the Amrei, right? Isn't it, isn't it talking about 
Um, isn't it talking about that Damre eat? Right? That, uh, so that, that she said, yeah, I, I want to go. In other words, when it says that he has to solicit a permission, it means that she has to agree. Right? Lo, my elamidata de shtiku. It means, with their permission, means they didn't protest. Meaning, right, you can, you can assume that, that she's agreeing to go as long as she doesn't say anything. Right? La to exclude where she says, no, I don't want to go. In other words, if she says she doesn't want to go, you can't include her against her will. But if she didn't say anything, you could. So, doesn't it say that if any of them made an eruv, and the master made an eruv, they go with the one of the, uh, of the, uh, the master. Right? Ustamahu. And it's implying that that's stum, meaning they didn't explicitly say, we don't want to go with you. They just made their own eruv. So, so, and it says that the wife won't be included, even though she didn't actually protest. She didn't actually protest. So the answer is, of course, it's a very simple answer, actually. It's a pretty obvious answer, right? That once, since they made an eruv in the other direction, obviously they didn't want to be part of that eruv. Right? So it doesn't mean that it has to be a verbal uh, protest that she said, I don't want to go. If action. she made an, right, if she did an action, she made an eruv in a different direction, so clearly she didn't want to go. So if any of these people, um, he, he's supposed to uh, get their uh, permission, so it's saying that uh, the Gemara concludes that basically that if, if they haven't said anything, they haven't protested, so he can assume their agreement to go unless they either say something or do something that contradicts that. If they say something or do something that contradicts that, so then, um, so then, the, uh, uh, then, then, uh, then they're not included. Now, the thing is, just to go back, that means even Eved Ivri and even his adult children, if they make their own Eruv, that Eruv can be independent of the Master. When it said, V'kulan she'eruvu, that if any of them made an eruv and their master made the eruv that was in contradiction to theirs, that they go with, the, with their master, except for the woman, it meant that if any of the Eved Kanani does it, because they're the only ones that their eruv, or if the child, if the, if the child under Bar Mitzvah goes and makes his own eruv against the father, and the father, that will override. But even an Eved, an Eved Ivri, or adult children, or a wife, if they uh, object, or they make their own eruv, they have the uh, autonomy to be able to uh, decide to make an eruv in a different direction, and then they won't be included. But if they don't say anything and he includes them, then they'll be able, he'll be able to include them even without getting their explicit consent. He can assume their consent. Okay, tomorrow, I guess, 